I'll throw her off at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a wish and then try and break some glass in. you got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too. Oh, no, Watch George, it. don't. It's full of romance, that old place. <clears throat> I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't live in as a ghost. Now watch. It's right in the second floor there, see? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Dance by the light of the moon. What'd you wish when you threw that rock? Oh, no. Come on, tell me. If I don't, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. In that clip where George Bailey and Mary sort of begin to get to know one another and eventually get married, he, he establishes what he wants to do in life. He talks about the impact that he wants to make. Build airfields, skyscrapers, bridges, all this stuff that he wants to accomplish. He, he has these dreams about making a difference in the world around him. And I think lots of people do that. We all think a little bit about what's the legacy that I'm going to leave behind? What is the impact that I'll leave with the people I know and maybe some people that I don't know? And you know, if you look at our culture and people tell you this is how you make an impact, you can look at websites that will tell you you need to create a brand. You need to market yourself. You need to think about what you've done in the past that you can advertise so that people will follow you in the future. You need more followers. That's one way of making an impact. Some people would say, you know what, I've accumulated wealth. And it's through that wealth that I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to give money away. Or I'm going to spend money and make something. And, and my money is going to allow me to impact my, my family, but a wider range, my community and maybe even the world. Other people would say, if I just have a position, if I have a title, that gives me authority and that allows me to control how events are going to play out. And because of that, I'll be able to make an impact. Well, you know, we think about that a little bit and sometimes it works that way, but sometimes there are other ways to make an impact. And, and we think about the story of George Bailey. He had this dream of making this huge impact on the world and it didn't exactly turn out that way because maybe if you've seen the movie or maybe like me, you've seen it lots of times, you remember that he ends up staying in that crummy little town and, and that's his life. And it seems to him very small. He inherits a business from his father and he runs that business and yeah, he helps some people, but it's not the same as building those buildings that he thought about and making this huge impact on the world. And it all sort of comes crashing down on Christmas Eve. 
The day begins with excitement and his brother Harry is going to receive this great award from the president, but it changes as his Uncle Billy, his business partner, makes an honest mistake. And because of that honest mistake, George Bailey is not only trapped in this small little town that he hoped of escaping, he's also facing scandal and, and bankruptcy and even prison because of what's happened. And, and that all comes down on his head in what I think is the most painful scene in the movie where he comes home with all that weight on his shoulders and faces his family on Christmas Eve. And this is how that plays out. So it didn't work out the way George Bailey planned it. His impact was not what he hoped, and it seems to be falling apart. So 
So what are, what are some ways that we can handle that when we face those kinds of moments? When we know the impact that we plan to make is just not going to happen, how do we respond to that? Today I want us to, to look at scripture and I think learn a lesson that will help us understand how we can make an impact regardless of where we are, whatever our life circumstances are, we can do something that will impact the future in a powerful way. But, but the key is thinking about it in a new way. And to, to get at this, I want us to turn to a passage we find in Luke chapter 3. Actually, we'll sort of be telling the story from Matthew 3 and Luke chapter 3. It's the story of John the Baptist. Now, we, we've introduced that story already in this series as we've thought about the fact that Mary, Jesus' mother, and Elizabeth, John's mother, are cousins. So, these guys are related, and, and we don't know exactly how much contact they had growing up, but they are cousins, and, and maybe they did. But what we find is in Luke chapter 3, sort of right after the story of Jesus' birth ends, we jump 30 years, and the gospel seem to think it's really important for us to be introduced to John the Baptist and his ministry. So that's what's going on in Luke chapter 3. Now, Luke tells us and Matthew tells us that John is an interesting character. They say that he went out from Jerusalem into the desert, into the countryside around there in Judea, and he's out in the country and he's, he's preaching, and he's wearing clothes made of camel hair, and he's eating locusts and wild honey. And what we might say is that John is eccentric, right? <clears throat> or maybe even extreme. He's a different sort of dude. And, and people are flocking out from the city to see John. And we sort of ask, why would people come all the way out to the country to see this preacher? Well, in the day when there's no TV and there's no internet, preaching was sort of the entertainment. That was a rough time to live, right? I mean, if this is the best you got, that's what they had, okay? So they're out listening to John and they're hearing his message. And I want to give you a taste of what he was saying to those people. We find it in Luke chapter 3, beginning sort of in the middle of verse 7. He says, you brood of vipers. That's his opening statement. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John's message, you're a bunch of snakes that need to change your ways. And believe it or not, people listened. They responded to that message. They came out and they heard what he had to say. And his message is all about repentance. And people repented. And they were baptized into this baptism John had of repentance. Showing that they wanted to change the way that they were living. John has this impact. People are gathering around him. Now as they gather around him and hear his teaching and this message that he's got and, and how he's very different from anybody they've heard, this, this teaching he has is not like the rabbis in town. It's something different entirely. They begin to think some interesting things about who John is, about his identity. And we pick that up down in verse 15 when we read these words. The people were waiting expectantly. Okay, they're waiting on something to happen. What is it? And they were all wondering in their hearts, and here's the key, if John might possibly be the Messiah. They're thinking, 
Okay, it's been 400 years we've been waiting on the Messiah to come. And maybe God has finally acted and the person that's going to be the Messiah is John. Now what did that mean? Messiah meant anointed one. It means the king. Someone in the line of David. Someone who's going to raise up an army and throw off Roman oppression. Someone who's going to act. They're thinking it might be John. Now there had been people before who had come along claiming to be the Messiah and they were all in the ground at this point because Rome usually took care of that. But they're thinking John's different. Let's follow him. And you know, in that moment, what John could have done was gather a bunch of people together. I mean, they are saying, you might be the king. And that's, that's really attractive, isn't it? To be inducted into royalty, for people to, to bow down, for people to think you're important. John could have just fallen into that and, and admitted and said, hey, I am the Messiah. But that's not the path John took. Now, we're not told exactly why. Maybe it's because his father Zechariah had been visited by an angel in the temple and the message it was then... John, your son is going to prepare the way for another. Maybe Zechariah passed that message down. Maybe it was the fact that John grew up with Jesus and he knew Jesus was something different. That Jesus was not like anyone he had ever met. But John doesn't raise up an army. John doesn't allow people to call him the king. This is what happens. Verse 16. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John says, listen, I'm not the one you're looking for. See, in this moment, when people are ready to make him king, John says, I want to point you to the one who really is the king. And from this point forward, John has this, and he has this opportunity to invest in something that really mattered. To put his heart, his soul, all his resources in pointing people to Jesus. He could have just pointed to himself. He could have done something in his own name and he chose a different path. He chose to point people to Jesus. From beginning to end, it was all about Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the one you should follow. If you look at the story, you find that John's followers begin to follow Jesus. And I think there's a lesson there for us. That though we may want to make this big impact, and though we may want the bridges and the buildings or the books or the website to have our name and our impact, and this really is the lesson, our impact results from our investment. When we say, I'm going to make a big impact, and we try to do it all in our name, we may or may not get there, and it may or may not make much difference. But when we start investing in people, investing in something that matters, like John chose to do, our impact grows. Because, because we spread it out. It's not all about me and me gathering fame, me gathering a name, me doing something that seems big and important in the world, but me investing in people and helping them have a better life, helping them have a better eternity. 
Your impact results from your investment. That's a hard lesson to learn because in some ways it seems counterintuitive. But sometimes the best message in Scripture really are a little counterintuitive because we want to focus on ourselves and God keeps saying, focus on the people around you. Focus on the needs that you see among the people who surround you day in and day out. Now, George Bailey began to learn that lesson. He does get to that point that he's ready just to give it all up. It's that same night as that family scene we saw earlier. He's ready to jump off a bridge and into the water and just end it all when his guardian angel Clarence jumps in first and George saves him. And then Clarence gives him this picture of life if he had never been born. He just decides life would be better for everybody if I had never been born. And so begins to see what his own town looks like if he had never existed, and that changes his perspective. Now, to get at that, what I've done is put together sort of a montage of several different pieces near the end of the movie as George moves through that. So, again, these are probably pretty familiar if you love this movie like I do, but, but I want you to see how George moved from sort of that despair to seeing how valuable life really is and the reason for that. Because even though he stayed in this crummy little town, he's invested in his neighbors and his family and his friends. And that's where his impact came from. Let's watch. Well, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. You told me that. What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Now, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. Now, this is some sort of a funny dream I'm having. So long, Mr. I'm going home. Home? What home? Now, shut up. Cut it out. You, you, you're, you, you're crazy. That's what I think. You're, you're screwy. You're driving me crazy, too. I'm seeing things here. I'm going home and see my wife and family. You understand that? And I'm going home alone. How am I doing, Joseph? Thanks. So I didn't have a drink. Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Well, I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. And I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? 
No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You went here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Brother George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Hello, 
Your impact results from your investment. That was true for George Bailey because he spent his life investing in the people around him. He had an incredible impact on them. And so we think to ourselves, am I investing in the lives of the people around me? Or is it mostly just about me? And we need to think through, where are the opportunities that I have to invest in people? Maybe it's my kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews, people who are coming behind me, and I have the opportunity to, to speak about life to them. Maybe to talk about Jesus to them. Just like John the Baptist began to point to Jesus, we have that opportunity too. Or maybe it's people that we go to church with. Maybe it's coworkers or friends who, who need someone to encourage them, someone to give them a call, someone to share a meal or a cup of coffee and, and just talk a little about life. We can invest in people in really simple ways. It doesn't always have to be something dramatic, something up front. It can be done in quiet, subtle, simple ways so that people know that somebody cares that somebody is prepared to build into their lives. So this really can change the way that we approach our lives. It's not about an impact that I could make. It's not about my name on a building, a bridge, a book, or a website. It's about me choosing to invest in the lives of the people who surround me. And in that, we make a real impact. Let's pray together. And help us to follow the example of John the Baptist, who instead of pointing to himself, pointed to Jesus. Help us to find a way to invest in the lives of the people around us like that, so that we're less interested in what we accomplish and what people remember about us, and more interested in how we can bless people who surround us. God, help us to make an impact in that way. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll continue to worship.